can see the end of the tunnel with this series. I have really enjoyed it. And what about Cody last week? Come on. How many exhorters out there? Who better, who better to teach that one? So thankful for her. I got to to watch it yesterday morning and she knocked it out of the park. She did a fantastic job. But we are getting close to the, to the end of this part of the series. And because I know we have guests here today, we always have guests. I want to just do my little review again before we dive into the rest of uh, the gift that we're going to go over today. Uh, this, this series is about the spiritual gifts. And that sounds easy to think about, but in the New Testament, it can be confusing because We only have one word, gift, in English that we use, but in the original writing of the New Testament, which was in Greek and Aramaic, there were three different Greek words that they used. And so there actually are three different categories of spiritual gifts. The first category is the motivational gifts. That's what we've been talking about for the most of our series. And what we need to remember with the motivational gifts is that we are born with these gifts. Everyone on the planet, God has given and wired in them these motivational gifts. And usually we operate in the top three. There's seven of them. We operate in the top three, but especially that top gift. And then the second category is the manifestation gifts. There are nine of these. We're going to devote the last two weeks of our series talking about those and we receive those after we are saved and filled with the power of the Holy Spirit. So we're going to talk about that and what uh, we do with that. Number three, the third category are the ministry, or I like the word positional gifts that Jesus gave to the church. Three different words, three different categories. Now, Peter uses uh, the motivational word charisma in 1 Peter 4.10. He says, God has given each of you a gift. Everybody, each of you a gift from his great variety of spiritual gifts. Use them well to serve one another. I've said it every week, but in their purest form, these gifts will help other people and not just you. We need to dedicate those gifts back, discover what they are, and then dedicate those gifts intentionally back to God like we've been doing throughout this series. It's so important. So then Paul uses the same Greek word for gift in Romans 12, 6, and he lists the gifts. In his grace, God has given us different gifts for doing certain things well. I'm a broken record, but I'm going to say it again, and I'll say it again next week. We don't have to be good at everything. You are not good at everything, even if you think you are. You don't have to be passionate about everything. God has wired us differently for a reason. So if God has given you the ability to prophesy, we use the word perceive, speak out with as much faith as God has given you. If your gift is serving others, serve them well. If your your gift is teaching, teach well. Verse 8, if your gift is to encourage, or Cody used the word exhort others, be encouraging. If it is giving, give Generously, If God has given you leadership ability, we're going to use today the word administrator. Take the responsibility seriously. And if you have a gift for showing kindness or compassion, we're going to talk about that next week. Do it gladly. So, so far, now I'm going to do this quickly. We're going to go through the gifts. And if you feel like the top gift is the one that I call out, I want you to just quickly raise your hand, okay? So, so far we've talked about the perceiver, 
Where are you? All right. Server? Amen. Teacher? Giver? And the exhorter. One more time, exhorters. <laughs> That's good. So here's the deal. If you have missed, if you're a guest here today, or you just haven't been here for the entire series, this is so important that you go back and watch the ones that you missed. And take. you can do your own little test and keep. So I want you to have seven of these when we get done so that you can compare all of them and get a good result. So today we're going to talk about the second to the last gift, and that is the administrator, the administrator. All right. If, if you got everybody have a paper, who does not raise your hand? Got one there, actually several over here. Ooh, we got several that did not get a paper. She's going to pass those out. Just keep your hands raised. If you did not get a paper, I want everyone to have one. But as she is doing that, if you'll flip that over to the notes side, I'm going to give you the definition as they're passing those out of the administrator. This is the working definition. A person with natural leadership ability who values organization and understands authority. Now, all of those pieces are part of the puzzle. It's not just pick one. Okay, so someone with natural leadership ability who values organization and understands authority. Anybody got one? Raise your hand if you didn't, quickly. Oh, over here in the front. An administrator is a born leader. An administrator is a born leader, but a mature person, listen to me now, with this gift also understands authority. Listen, they don't always have to be the top dog. That's not what we're talking about here. Someone who is a mature administrator understands authority and they, they can run the show, but they, can, they also understand authority. They can come under authority and follow as well. Now, on the other side of that same coin, an immature administrator can be very controlling, manipulative, and downright bossy. I just saw somebody nudge their... Don't nudge your spouse on that. That's not nice. Anybody think of someone just then? Hope it wasn't your boss. Might have been. Hope it's not you. But you're in the right place. That is the polluted version of this gift. That is the polluted version. That's not God's will for this gift. Now, this gift is very evident in people all the way back to their childhood. You can, (laughs) mom says, yes, you can identify the administrator child from a mile away. They're the ones telling their friends on the playground what game they're going to play and how they're going to play it. Right? Right? Now, this is one of my top gifts. It's tied with teacher. But when I was a kid, there was this girl that lived behind me. Her name was Sailor. Anybody ever heard of that name? Sailor. Anyway, her name was Sailor. We were about seven years old, and my gift of administrative could not hold a candle to hers. She had all of us neighborhood kids eating out of the palm. I don't, it was like a magic trick. I mean, I could not understand how we ended up doing everything, everything her way on her schedule. It was unbelievable. 
I've been reminded many times over the years to pray for her husband. That's all I got to say. Now, let me switch gears a little bit. and Let me just say something about all of the gifts that I haven't said yet in the series. Whatever your gift is, you will use that gift in the context, in the circle of influence that God places you. That's all that God is asking of you. He will not judge your gift against somebody else with the same gift. So we need to stop doing that as well. Do you understand what I'm saying? Look at the screen. God is interested in what you do with what you've been given. And you could even add on to that in the context you've been given it. Stop playing the comparison game with other people with the same gift. That's not what God does. And actually a great thing, a great story in the Bible, a great parable of Jesus is the, the parable of the talents. You know the story. The King James Version calls it talents. It's actually money, but I love the word talent because we think of gift. And so to one servant, this is a parable, to one servant, the master gave five talents, right? And then the next servant, he gave just two. And then the final servant, he gave one. He goes on a trip. The servant with five talents doubles his talents to ten. The servant with two doubles his to Four, notice that he doesn't, he's not even yet where the other guy started. Come on now. He's not even where the other guy started. Then the guy with one or the servant with one is fearful. And that is going to preach. He's fearful with his talent and he doesn't use it. I am preaching to somebody. He buries it. The master returns. He commends the one who turned the five into ten. He rewards that servant. Then the one he commends and he rewards the servant who doubled from two to four. The, if you look it up in the scripture, we don't have time. But if you look it up, he uses the exact same words for both. No different. And then he punishes the one that did not do anything. How many believe, because of the way the other story, the story goes, that if the guy with one had just made two, it would have been the same reward? Come on. Do you believe that? It's absolutely true. Absolutely. Here's the point. Every administrator will not be a CEO, but they will emerge as an organizer and a leader wherever God places them. It might just be right in your family being an organizer of the menu. My God, we need that, don't we? Maybe it's homeschool. Maybe it's on your job in whatever context. And I'm praying, listen to me, I'm praying it's in the church. I'm praying my administrators begin working and using those gifts right here. All right, let's get those sheets out. Everybody got one? All right, you know the drill. Don't skip ahead. You're going to miss some valuable something from me. No, don't skip ahead. Wait till I say to mark your answers. Because we have guests, zero means never you. Absolutely never applies to you. And then we have one, two, three, four, and five. Five is always you. Okay? So here we go. 
Number one, I love to plan and organize just about anything. I don't care what it is. I love to plan and organize. Just I don't want to shoot from the hip. Does that resonate with anybody? I don't want to just, just wing it. I want to plan it if it's, if it's just going out to dinner. I want to plan it and organize it. Administrators love to plan, to organize. They love a challenge. And that challenge could look very different depending on the person. But the motivation is the same for the top CEO all the way down to whoever. It's the same motivation. It may be organizing an office space. It may be setting up a ministry team in a church. It may be planning an event, a wedding, a birthday party, or even developing a building project, building a house. You may not realize it, but I was a licensed contractor years ago. Worst decision I ever made. Why? Because I was great at the process. Administrator. I was, what drew me to that was that creative process of seeing nothing, ground zero, and then, and then going from ground zero all the way up to a beautiful home. I was great at making that happen and assigning and keeping subcontractors lined up and paid and all of this and you know, all of that stuff. I was terrible at the business part. Terrible. But I love the process. A lot of times, uh, administrators are jack of all trades, but master of, they're not the ones hammering the nails. You don't want them ever finishing sheetrock, but they can line it up and make it happen. All right, fill your answer. I love to plan or organize just about anything. Number two, I am content to be under authority in order to have authority. I'm content to be under authority in order to have authority. Administrators understand honor and respect authority. I'm talking about the purest version of the gift. They feel comfortable and want structure and to be within the structure. They don't even have to be leading the top, but in somewhere in a structure. This is a great example in the word of God about the centurion, the soldier, he was a soldier in centurion. Century means 100. He was over 100 soldiers. So he was a man of authority. He had a servant that was sick. And he knew Jesus was a healer. So he came to Jesus and said, will you heal my servant? And Jesus said, sure, let's go to your house and I'll do that. He stopped him. This is powerful. He said, listen to what he says. Matthew 8, 8. The centurion replied, Lord, I don't deserve to have you come under my roof. Now that's honor. Then he says, just say the word and my servant will be healed. He understood the authority in the name and in the person of Jesus Christ. And then he says why he understands it. For I myself am a man under authority with soldiers under me. And I tell this one, go, and he goes, and one come, and he comes. I say to my servant, do this, and he does it. Do you know that this is the only time I know of in the Bible where Jesus was amazed? Jesus was amazed at this man's faith and understanding of authority. Anybody want to amaze Jesus? About eight of you. I want to amaze Jesus with my faith. Let me tell you something. It's not in my notes, but I feel like I need to say it. If you are constantly having tension and problems with the person that's over you, you're probably not an administrator, number one. 
Or maybe you are and you need to work on this area. But number two, let me tell you something. It's not that boss or whoever it is, that teacher, students. It's not that person's responsibility to change. It's yours. (laughs) I think it was a mom trying to get the attention of one of her kids. Listen to pastor. Listen to me. Listen, listen, listen. And if you can't, then you need to remove yourself peaceably without causing problems and division from that situation. If you're in a situation where that person that's over you and whatever the situation is other than your parents, (laughs) listen, listen, maybe they are irrational and it's, it's a bad situation, but you are not to cause problems. Why? Because you're a Christian. Christians take the high road every single time. I got three people to clap. You need to understand how to come up under authority. And if you can't, you need to peaceably get out of that situation. I'm speaking to somebody. Number three, mark your answer for that one. When needed, I will take the leadership role if no one else is in charge. True administrators don't want to take the lead unless it's given to them, unless they're empowered with it, unless there's structure. But if there is a situation and no leader is in charge or rises up, they will eventually (laughs) emerge as the leader. When I graduated, the year I graduated uh, high school, our senior trip was to go to Colorado and go snow skiing. It was awesome. It was wonderful. Well, to save money, we were in a, like a little village area away from the slopes. Because, you know, if you stay on the slopes, it's a whole lot more expensive. So we were away from the slopes. And there was a school bus that would run every night to go to the restaurants and things like that. And so late one night, we were coming home. Me and my friend were coming home back to the condo from out to eat. And there were a bunch of teenagers on the bus who had fake IDs and had gotten completely wasted. I mean, toasted. And in the back, a fight broke out. And somebody had brought in a schnapps bottle and busted somebody else over the head and busted their head completely open, blood going everywhere. Well, the bus stops, and I look up, and I didn't really notice it when I got on, but the girl that was driving the bus looked to be about 16. She had to have been older than that, had probably 21 or so. But she looked like she came off the Swiss Miss box. I mean, the golden locks and, you know, it looked like she came over from Sweden. You know, the whole thing, I'm telling you. And she, I looked in the mirror and I knew I was in trouble because you can see the mirror, you know, when you're riding. And she's like, she was frozen, frozen. And nobody else was doing anything. Nobody else was getting up. And there were a few adults on the bus. Nobody else was doing anything. So I get up. I was mad. I was irritated at the whole thing. You just had to know me back then. I didn't want to. I just, I was irritated. I got up, went back there, or no, I went to the front and I said, do you have a first aid box? No. I looked down and there was a roll of toilet paper. I grabbed the roll of toilet paper and I went and just wrapped this kid's head with toilet paper and I grabbed the guy next to him, stuck his hand on top and just hold it right there. Went back to the the driver and I said, he's bleeding out. We probably should go to the hospital. Oh, okay. So here we go to the hospital. Nobody else was doing anything. So I, 
finally stood up and, and did something. What's so funny, though, is that you just had to know me back then. We went, I went in with him to the ER, and as he's getting stitches, I preached fire and brimstone to this kid. I'm serious. I let him have it. I was like, if I'm going to be bothered with this whole thing, I'm going to get my money's work, my time's work. Now, I don't know if he got saved or not, but he got, he got a message. <laughs> Mark your answer. Mark your answer when I needed. I, I will take the leadership role. No one else does. I got to hurry. Number four, I love casting vision for long-range goals and projects. I love casting vision for long-range goals. This is a famous proverb, 29, 18a, says, where there is no vision, what? The people perish. Vision is needed, folks. Let me, look at me. Vision's needed in your home. Vision is needed for your kids to keep them on track. Russ, we know vision is needed in our student ministry, in our lead ministry, with our connections team. Vision is needed everywhere. Vision is needed in your business to keep people involved, to keep people excited. If you look at the screen, a good leader is a person of vision. And casting vision is an ability to help people see that they can work together towards a common goal. You paint that picture and you cast that vision compelling. That's what that is. The Bible's full of men and women who were people of vision. I think about Nehemiah. You know the story. He wanted to rebuild the walls of Jerusalem. And he cast that compelling vision. And then the people got all together and they did that, even with all kinds of obstacles. Joshua held on to the vision that Moses gave him of the promised land and led his people in. Joseph, in the Old Testament, not the New Testament, Joseph... If you want to write this down, Joseph probably was the greatest administrator in the Bible. It didn't matter where he ended up. If it was in a pit, if it was in prison, if it was in Potiphar's house, or if it was the palace, because of his ability in in administration, because God blessed that and he gave it back to God eventually, (laughs) second half of his life, God raised him up and used him. And at one point, he saved the entire Middle East from a seven-year famine because of his vision. Powerful. Now, the Bible's full of those type of stories, but guess what? That gift is still in operation today. God has given you, some of you, vision. Ooh. You might be right now that, that servant with the one talent and you've got that vision and you've, it's buried in the ground. Can I just prophesy and say, hey, go dig that up. God wants to multiply it in Jesus' name. In 2007, I'm sorry guys, I'm trying to hurry, but this is a good story. In 2007, I was at a retreat a songwriter's retreat in Estes Park, Colorado. I was invited there. It was beautiful. There was just a small group of us there. And Integrity Music, I mean, they pulled out all the stops. They had Hillsong United there. They had Lincoln Brewster there. They had Darlene Check there. I mean, the who's who of 2007 modern worship was there for just a few of us to lead us in worship, to pour into us. So on one night, you would think that'd be awesome to me, right? I, this I, the way I think. I was in worship. The sound is perfect. The voices are perfect. Do it like a, like a, 
the, the, the band was perfect. Everything was perfect. And I'm sitting there, instead of being encouraged, you know what I'm thinking? Because I'm a worship leader at the time. Here's what's going through my administrator mind. How in the world is my church going to compete with that? And God, this was one of the, the few times in my life that I can say it was almost audible. The Holy Spirit. God said, you can't. You can't. That's not what I've called you to do. And then he, listen to what he said. If you unite the body of Christ in your community, you can do anything. If you unite the body of Christ in your community, you can do anything. The sky is the limit. He gave me a vision of a united I feel, y'all, y'all ain't feeling like I am. He gave me a vision of the body, Baptist, Methodist, Independence, Church of God, Pentecostal, non-Pentecostal, coming together in worship. And I'm an administrator. It was an event. And I, we began to plan it. And in May of 2008, 14 different churches converged in one location. And God showed up like I've never seen before. And we've been doing those types of things ever since then, every year in Mobile. And God has already opened the door through National Day of Prayer to do it right here in May. Are you excited? Come on. That's vision. That's vision, the power of vision. Mark your answer. I'm sorry. I've taken a lot of time. I love casting vision. Verse 5. Verse (laughs) 5? Number 5. I got all into the Holy Spirit there and just, I enjoy delegating tasks to others and then supervising the the progress. I love delegating tasks to others and then supervising the progress. All right, look, folks, administrators love to tell other people what to do. I'm I'm saying that in the nicest possible way. But here's, here's how it works. An administrator sees a problem. And the server who sees a problem will immediately go and put their hands on it and get to it, right? The administrator looks, starts looking around at who's gifted to do that, and then they ask them to do it in a certain situation. That's, what, that's how they handle the problem. A good administrator can usually go into a failing organization and quickly identify the problems, make hard decisions, trim staff if necessary, then train and equip the right staff and turn the whole thing around very quickly. It's a gift. It's a gift. Mark your answer. Number six, I don't mind criticism as long as things are actually getting done. I don't mind criticism as long as things are actually getting Here's the deal. Everybody look at me. Leaders get criticized. It goes with the territory. I don't care how gifted you are. I don't care how powerful your vision is. I don't care how talented of a leader you are. You will, you cannot make everybody happy. Some of you even get frustrated with your pastor. Come on, I'm just playing, just playing. Thank you. (laughs) Thank you, Dr. Thomason. Amen. But think about it. If I'm trying to make you happy over here, 
I'm probably ruffling somebody's feathers over here with the same thing, same issue. So here's my motto. Let's work on pleasing God and not people. I'll clap for myself. Good job. That's awesome, brother. That's good preaching. Let's work. Let's work on. And didn't Cody talk about that last week? The exhorters, that's a big temptation is to be people pleasers and not God pleasers. It got Saul in trouble, didn't it? He lost his kingdom over it. All right. You know the old saying, if you can't take the heat, that's leadership. Bottom line, criticism will not deter a good administrator as long as something is being accomplished. If nothing is, they're out. They're gone. They can't handle that. All right, number seven. Go ahead and mark your answers for that one. Number seven, I am all, I'm always writing notes to self or making to-do lists. <laughs> always writing notes to self or making, how many with me on this one? Always writing, using that phone, whatever. Listen, if you're a top administrator, this is, this is you. This is you. There is no exception to this rule. I checked my iPhone Friday, 1,051 notes. You got that right, sister. She said, there's not enough hours in the day. Everything from sermon ideas, series ideas, things that when I read the Bible, that jump out to me and I stick it in there because I'll forget it. Otherwise, because I have a hundred other things going through there to meetings. I'm going to have meetings that I already had that I critique later. Every possible thing you can think of. I use that app, that note app, and I back it up constantly because I would, I would keel over if I lost it. The to do app. Anybody use the to-do app on, the, on your phone? Love it because you get to push that. Or how many like striking it off on your list, just doing this? And it being, that's so satisfying. We love that. Administrators love that and live by your calendars. Why? Because you're busy. Because there's a lot going on in there. And if you don't write it down, if you don't make lists, it's gone. It's not going to happen. Let me just give you a word of advice. Sunday mornings is probably not the time to tell me an idea or to make a schedule an appointment. I don't have my phone with me. I'm out of it. Not going to happen. Just kind of, just a little word of advice. All right. Mark your answer for that one. Number eight, I would rather defer my leadership than share it. I would rather defer my leadership than share. Now that sounds kind of conceited, doesn't it? It's not for the administrator. You get me completely if you're an administrator. The administrator would rather take a subordinate role than, than be a co-leader, especially with another administrator. Why? Because we have such strong convictions about how we do things and the vision for it. Listen, how many of your managers, management positions... You're over people. I've got to give you $5 million worth of advice in one thing. Don't put two administrators together on the same project. You need to identify who's who with these gifts. Use it, folks. This is practical. And don't put two of them. You'll have conflict for a reason. For a reason. They will clash. How many have experienced that? Yep, absolutely you have. Go ahead and mark your answer. Number nine, I like to see things complete, completed as quickly as possible. 
quickly as possible. Now, remember, administrators like to cast long-term vision, but they set short-term goals, a process, a system that they can check, 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 check. And if anybody gets in the way of the check, 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 we get a little bit frustrated. We get a little bit twisted, okay? So we like to get things done as, as quickly as possible. A lot of times, administrators are type A personalities. If you did the growth track, red, Okay, task-oriented. All right, so just keep that in mind. Mark your answer. I'm trying to hurry through this. We're running late today. But you know what? It's okay because the Holy Spirit came down. Is that all right? Come on, somebody. Come on. Is that all right? We're running a little bit late. When God decides to show up, yeah. Praise, that's amen. All right, number 10. I do not enjoy working on routine tasks. I do not enjoy working on routine. Now, what I'm talking about is a true top administrator would probably only last about a week on an assembly line job because it's the same thing over and over, same thing over and over. Now, who might enjoy that job? The server. They, work, they use their hands. They can be excellent at it. They know what's about to happen, and they can do it great. Now, let me just give you a little bit of advice on this one. The server in that assembly line or production job do really, really well. They, they, they are great producers, and then they get promoted to management. And suddenly, the job that they loved and was so satisfying to them, they're miserable because they're not gifted in management or administration. I had a boy that sat in my office in Mobile, a young man that came, he said, I don't get it, Pastor Allen, I'm making more money. And I'm in the same business, I'm in the same company, but I'm miserable now, and I love what I was doing. I said, well, what's, what are you talking about? He was a welder, excellent welder. But then he did so well that they promoted him, and now he's over 12 welders, and he doesn't get to weld anymore because he's making sure they're doing their job, and he's miserable. This is practical, folks. It's so important that we understand how we're wired and that we go into the field that fits those things. Now, don't go quit your job tomorrow. Pastor Allen told me to quit. No, I did not. But listen to me. I'm about to give you practical advice again. Maybe it's time to start taking steps toward a change. Maybe this has revealed to you why you're miserable on your job. And you begin, maybe you have to take some online courses. Maybe you have to do this or that research. Maybe you have to raise some money. Whatever it is, maybe now is the time to begin thinking about a change that coincides with your gifting. You will thank me. It's more satisfying. You will be more happy and fulfilled. Amen? All right, that's number 10. Mark your answer. Quickly, as I close, I'm going to just do two blind spots. Two blind spots. Problem areas. You can write these on the back. Go ahead and tally those, by the way. Sorry. Tally your answers. Add up your answers. The first blind spot is administrators can become upset when others do not share the same vision or goals, the passion they have. Let me put it this way. It's my way or the highway. Don't let the door hit you on the way out. How many have worked for that guy? Yeah, it's not, don't, you guys have not worked for that guy, so don't raise your hand. 
It's my way or the highway. Here's the, the real danger with that kind of an attitude and that kind of leadership. That person eventually burns so many bridges that eventually they're going to turn around and there's nobody behind them. There's nobody following them. And suddenly they're not leaders anymore at all. In my experience, it's a whole lot better to build bridges and not burn them. Not everybody's going to be as passionate about that thing as you are. But that's why God's called you to lead the charge. Number two, administrators can develop an outer callousness due to being a target for criticism. Psychologists tell us that for every negative word spoken against us, we need four positive words to neutralize those negative effects. Now, I don't know how accurate that is, but look at me. How many know that's probably not going to happen? That's probably not going to happen. So the administrator often builds up emotional walls and lets things roll off them, which helps them on the job. But you can see the problem with this. That wall doesn't know the difference between negativity and someone trying to be positive. That wall doesn't know the difference between criticism and love. And soon it begins to repel not just the negativity, but everything and every one. I think you all understand the danger there. What would that look like in a marriage? What would that look like with your friends or in any relationship? Can I just be real transparent with you? This is one that I struggle with. It's real easy for me to just lock down. Which helps me in certain areas. Because it's real hard to hurt my feelings. But then it hinders me in the important relationships in my life. When Kathy's trying to affirm me, love on me, my girls, I have to be very careful with this. And if you're a leader, so do you. God did not intend for those walls to come up. He will take care of you. He will take care of me. He's called me to do it and he'll take care of it. But we have to rely on him. Let me give you the big idea for the day and then we're going to pray. Big idea, administrators are the shoulders of the body of Christ. Bearing the load that always comes with leadership. Administrators are the shoulders of the body of Christ. Would you stand with me?